Download the app, Bet Big, Win Bigger. And I got to tell you, I really like the sound of that. And with WinBet, it's just that easy. WinBet has what you need to win, including boosted same-game parlays for the upcoming NBA action after the football season. So if you're from Arizona, Colorado, Indiana, Louisiana, Michigan, New Jersey, New York, Tennessee, or right here in Virginia, sign up today to receive this special offer. New users can take advantage of WinBet's Bet 50, Win 200 dollars offer. Download the WinBet app now or visit wynnbet.com. Download the app, bet big, and win bigger. And let's get after it. Terms and conditions apply. Must be 21 or older and present in a state where WinBet is available. Gambling problem? In Arizona, call 1-800-NEXT-STEP. In Colorado, Indiana, New Jersey, and Virginia, call 1-800-GAMBLER. And in Michigan, 1-800-270-7117. Tennessee, y'all too. 1-800-889-9789. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Greenlight Podcast. Today we hear from Unique Ngakwe and the Ringers Joe House. Chris and Macon start off with the shout out to hockey. And then Chris talks to Unique about his upbringing and journey to the NFL, the upcoming season in Indianapolis, playing last year in Las Vegas, and his exit from Jacksonville. Afterwards we do a little baseball good, bad, ugly, and talk about Sunday's NBA Game 7s. Then we end with some energy from Joe House of the Fairway Rolling Podcast on the Ringer. We hit Golf Gambling, PGA Championship, and Phil Mickelson, the Saudi Golf League, and Washington Sports. Hey, y'all enjoy. Toronto, Ontario, Canada. Hello! So we're saying hello to Toronto because the Maple Leafs lost again. And I, here's the thing. The, you're grammatically incorrect. Yeah, we should probably start calling them the Leaves. The Maple Leaves lost again. I don't know what they, how you say that in Canadian, but in America, we say, in America, we say the Maple Leaves. The Maple Leaves lost again. They lost to the Lightning. They blew a lead in that series. My man, Patty Maroon, ever since he got down in Tampa, they're tough as nails. They can't be shaken. By the way, Toronto, and by the way, shout out to Elliot Harding, who's in here. He won yep. a prize. He was kind enough to bid on an, an auction item uh, that entailed coming to the Greenlight podcast for a day. And the proceeds went to, to my charity. So thank you very much, Elliot. Elliot's in studio. Waterboys.org. Check it out. Check it out. And he's gotten a, a little bit of everything today. Now, he, he reminded me earlier that Toronto also... They cheered when Kevin Durant blew his Achilles, which was something that I was fucking furious about at the time, especially considering Toronto fans will tell you they invented sportsmanship because Canada. Like, they did a whole thread about the, the Muslim guy that comes to the, the games, like, hasn't missed a game, uh, and sits in the front row, and that was, like, supposed to be some, some lesson for us Americans. Like, look at all the diversity we have. We have one non-white guy in our arenas. <laughs> Here's a 36-tweet thread about this guy. Uh, and then the next night, they go out and cheer uh, Kevin Durant's blown Achilles. So 
maybe you guys are dealing with like a bit of a like a, a punishment that just started in 2000 and what was that 19 i remember people talk about uh what the philly fans did to michael irvin when he ended his career by the way michael irvin has since gotten over that he's been on this podcast and said so himself we love michael irvin he doesn't think the philly fans knew that he was hurt and i'm sure toronto probably would would say the same thing about their fans but if you'll notice the eagles uh there was like a 18 year punishment for that like we didn't get a, a ring until 2017 2018 calendar year so maybe toronto sports they got to suffer a little bit for that well it's been 18 years they uh, have not won a first round series since 2004 but the clock just reset from when they started booing kd oh and 10 in series clinching games since 2018 it's not good tampa bay still in that in that bad boy carolina's in there the florida panthers are in there i'm starting to think that maybe this is not canada sport no it's not no 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 and this is something we've been workshopping here a little bit uh that hockey is is becoming a southern sport now I don't know the fucking the, the, the Kings and the and the somebody else the the Stars lost the stars, last night. Yep. Thank God the most beautiful logo in sports is still in the thing. The flames, the Calgary Flames. Yeah, uh, nothing like a Game Seven uh, walk off goal, skate off goal up in Calgary. Lord knows there's not a lot else to do up there um, than go see Game Seven. It was lit in that fucking arena. But I'm thinking this is the sport of the South, Mike. I'm with you. We've been working on a single. And if the Lightning or the Carolina Hurricanes win this thing, we will drop the entire single. But this is just a snippet of the single. Are you ready? I'm ready. Okay. One, two, three. Sport, sport, sport of the South. Sweet potato pie because poutine's out. Gone, gone with the wind. Maple leaves are on vacation again. And if you know that song of the South by Alabama, and that's a remix called Sport of the Sport South, of the South which is Pod. now hockey. So if the Lightning or Carolina win, and by the way, we talked to Stanford Steve about this. A Canadian team hasn't won since, by our calculations, it was 1989. <laughs> by Steve's calculations, it was 1993. We've got research on that. We've got a whole Ongoing. fucking department. Top for guys are on that. Our right top now. guys. But bottom line is, for a sport that's all y'alls, I mean... Forget about it. In the last 10 years, I, th- I don't think there's been a team north of Pittsburgh that's won the whole thing. So, and we're still unclear on if Chicago or Pittsburgh. Geography is not easy. It's hard. No, it's not. Chicago is more north than Pittsburgh, which is a fucking mindfuck. You know, Michael Jordan, uh, he went back, got his degree uh, from UNC in, in geography. There's just placemats everywhere. Is that right? Yeah. Yeah, just... <laughs> <laughs> all yeah. types of places. He's, he's nails on state capitol. <laughs> yeah, dude. I bet he is. Yeah. Ask him about uh, Montana. Right. Uh, Helena. Yeah, yeah. There you go. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Found Montana? myself a little time there. Yeah. California? Sure. Sacramento. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay. Hockey continues to be an absolute thrill ride. We've got, uh, you know, with all the, the, the terrible game sevens that, that we endured Sunday, uh, in the NBA, we had two overtime game sevens. Uh, by the way, like to hit 
uh, you know, game winner, like to score a game winning goal for the Rangers in a game seven has to be pretty fucking great. That night's got to be pretty good. There was a monster uh, flag flying out the back of the pickup truck, which you worry about these days anywhere. Yeah, anytime I see a flag in a pickup truck, I'm like, whoa, buddy. Especially perhaps in the middle of Virginia. Uh, it was a big old New York Rangers flag on Sunday afternoon, interesting choice, which was dude. great. I that guy it. gets to bust that out like <laughs> very rarely. Yeah. Like once. Scaring the shit out of people in rural Virginia. In the last couple of decades. Yeah, good for the Rangers. Some of us were on Calgary Moneyline. Some of us were on the over four and a half. Hockey's treat You really as have well. a problem, huh? Yeah, because yeah, I jumped on the uh, Mavericks. Minus 28 and a half at halftime. Uh, having to offset a couple losses, but we're doing okay. You know, I did end up going heavy on the Warriors. We talked about it yeah, last was good. Pod. Good for you. Yeah, not a huge payoff. <laughs> it was hairy for a little bit <laughs> it there. It was. So, yeah, sport of the South, man. Hockey is changing. I do want to say this. We got the Battle of Alberta coming up. Mm. Shout out to Eric Clapton. There are five or six provinces in Canada. Yeah. You want to go through them? Sure. With me? No problem. I'll go first. British Columbia. Yeah. You want to go? Alberta. Do, okay. I'll do um, Ontario. Okay. I'm going to do where like Jordan Tutu and them are from, like all the way up north. What's that? It's up near Yellowknife. What's that? Northern Territories. That's one of them? I believe that's one okay. of them. Northwest Territory, actually not a province, just a territory. Right. There's actually 10. 10? There's 10, yeah. So is Newfoundland one of them? Nova Scotia, or is that yeah, something it's up different? Yeah, by Labrador, Newfoundland. Newfoundland it's, it's, and Labrador collectively yeah. are one. Yeah. Is Nova, Nova Scotia's one? one? Yep. Oh, West, we're, we're fucking we're Can- fine. We're basically Canadian. Yeah, that's cool. Uh, we did enough. So, yeah, you see they tried to put Connor McDavid up in Edmonton to try to revive the sport you know other players there's a supposedly there's this prodigy in toronto austin matthews but yeah austin matthews well how's that going big hockey can't manufacture canadian success in this thing this is a southern Mm -hmm. sport a southern sport hey make let me ask you this we hate the maryland terrapins right yes uh top five terps okay um in any order yeah larry david He's a terp? Unfortunately. You gotta be fucking kidding me, dude. Yeah. And by in any order, I mean Larry David's number one. He's gotta be number one. Yes, no question. Worst other. thing about him, he, yeah. a, he a terp. Speaking of, Scott Van Pelt, top five in that group. Larry David's a terrapin. Yeah, man. Jesus. Connie Chung. You know? I don't. Uh, wife of Maury Povich. Got it. She had a show when we were <laughs> wee ones. David Simon. I'm so thankful that Connie Chung wasn't somebody that I was supposed to know. David Simon? Uh, Sorry. David Simon, The Wire. The Wire, yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Got it, got it. And um, Frank Reich. Frank Reich? Yeah, got yeah. a good beard. I, I learned that Frank Reich was, a t- I forgot about that. Uh, Frank Reich, uh, of course, Carson Wentz's dad. Yeah. Uh, so Honorable mention, uh, Yannick Ngakwe. So, yeah, who's, who's going to be on the show on the door here. Of the top five, the show yeah. here. I didn't. I'm going number one, Maya, the singer Maya. Oh, and she's Maya. a terp. Yeah. Yeah. She's a terp. Number two, Scott Van Pelt. Yep. Number three, I'm going Vaseline Steve Francis. Yes. You yes. remember that? Yeah. That was legendary. Franchise, yeah. Um, number four, I'm going Tori Smith. And number five, I'm going EJ Henderson. But Yannick Ngakwe. Unique New York. Unique New York. He also has had a really unique career. I mean, a guy that I, he's the best player that's played for the most teams. The best player that's played for the most pe- teams. And now, if you ask his coaches who have spoken on him publicly, 
it ain't because of his personality. I mean, he's a fucking really, really hardworking dude. Ask the players to play with him. Ask guys like Rod Marinelli. Ask guys like Gus Bradley, who's going to join again in Indy. Like, people love Yannick Ngakwe. Even I do as a Terp and a, a pass rusher. This guy is really good. He's had um, eight sacks in every season he's played in, which is kind of like, they talk about double digits. I think about eight as like, that's a good year. Ten's great. Eight's good. He's been at least good every single season. And the thing that's been amazing is he's done that on six different teams or five different teams, dude. One season, he had eight sacks and he played for two teams. Like, it's rare that guys get traded in season and then have that kind of year. He's just a really good player. And this was a really fun interview. We had read an article last week that kind of that kind of prompted me to reach out to him. Uh, it was a Tyler Dune article. Uh, and it kind of highlighted... Well, it didn't highlight, low-lighted, highlighted, talked about all the ups and downs of his kind of upbringing and journey to the NFL. It was crazy. Yeah, he definitely, you know, talking about unique, he had a unique experience growing up in this country in, like, unbelievable poverty and just, like, really, really trying circumstances. I was super moved by the inspiration that he found in his mom who continues to inspire him to this day and yep. the interview is just awesome. Yep, DC kid grew up with a really, as Matt said, unique circumstance and um, had to see some really tough shit growing up, but but you can check that Tyler Dune article out. Read it yourself. We talk a lot about pass rush. We talk a lot about you know kind of why he's perceived the way he's perceived, maybe, um, and the excitement that that he feels coming to Indy and rushing next to Buckner and that sort of thing. I think he's going to have a really good year, and I was excited to have him on the show. So check out one of my maybe top five terps after today, and then stick around because we've another got, DC guy. Yeah, we've got another. This is like a DC pod here. Joe House, who you've always been a big fan of, Joe House. Joe House is the man. Uh, Joe House of podcasting fame. That's right. He's got Fairway Rolling. He's got the gambling show on The Ringer. Yep, yep. Uh, frequent guest on Bill Simmons' pod, his buddy. I'm going to find out how tall he is. Yeah, I don't know what the cat looks like. Yeah, it's interesting. You really do stick to the art of the, the audio mm -hmm. podcast. So again, we've got Ngakwe. We're going to talk a little bit of basketball etc and then we've got joe house to finish on some golf uh and some other bullshitting around so uh stick around enjoy unique ngakwe i started taking athletic greens because i wanted to see what all the hype was about with one delicious scoop of athletic greens you're absorbing 75 high quality vitamins minerals whole food source superfoods probiotics and adaptogens to help you start your day right this special blend of ingredients supports your gut health, your nervous system, your immune system, your energy, recovery, focus, and aging. And it tastes great. It doesn't taste like it's super healthy. It kind of has a mild tropical taste that I actually look forward to each morning. I recommend it to the whole Greenlight crew, especially Cowboy Reed. And now everybody's feeling spry. Athletic Greens uses the best of the best products based on the latest science with constant product iterations and third-party testing. AG1 is a small micro habit with big benefits. It's one thing you can do every single day to take great care of yourself. Athletic Greens is also a climate neutral certified company. To make it easy, Athletic Greens is going to give you a free one year supply of immune supporting vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. All you have to do is visit athleticgreens.com slash greenlight. Again, that is athleticgreens.com slash greenlight to take ownership over your health and pick up the ultimate daily nutritional insurance. 
So I've got Unique Ngakwe, one of my favorite, definitely one of my favorite Terps, but one of my favorite rushers in the league in the past five, 10 years, honestly. I hadn't seen you since London, man. That's the last time I ran into you was four teams ago in London, dude. Yeah, yeah, for sure, man. It's been a while, man. Um, Appreciate you having me on. Dude, it's great. Great, great having you on. And I read that article. It was uh, Tyler Dune at Go Long. You know, it's funny. You watch guys play, but you don't really know their story sometimes. So I thought it was interesting and definitely informative to know where you get that grind and that hustle from and that hunger from. How do you think everything in that that article that we can get into a little bit, but kind of like your upbringing and the things you've experienced affect kind of who you are as a player? Yeah, absolutely. You know, when you go through certain tribulations at a young age and, uh, you didn't ask to be in certain situations. It gives you a natural chip on your shoulder. You know, each and every time you touch the field, uh, you get to unleash certain, you know, anger and emotions and things of that nature uh, legally. So, you know, going through those, you know, trying and tough times, I feel like it's helped me, you know, enhance my game uh, just happening until, you know, those events. And, you know, like the NFL hasn't given you any shortage of motivation, I don't feel like, because I'll just be honest, man, I think you're not respected enough. I mean, like, and true football players know, like football fans of your teams know that, but, you know, the general public, I feel like for a couple reasons, because you've bounced around, so, like, fans haven't gotten a chance to know you well enough, like, year to year, number one, and number two, like, you've been incredibly consistent. You've been one of only a few players to have eight sacks through your first five, six years of your career, but I just don't feel like for some reason people have realized how consistent and how great you've been. Why do you think that is, bro? Uh, like you said, man, I really have a true home, you know, after the little whole Jacksonville, you know, uh, era. So, you know, hopefully Indy is a spot where I can play, you know, the rest of my, my career. But, uh, you know, that's what motivates me as well. You know, going back to your first question, not having that respect, that's what drives me each and every uh, morning when I wake up to go uh, do sled drags, do bell squats with chains and bands and, you know, going above and beyond so I'm prepared, you know, when uh, the season kicks off. Yeah, you play with great effort, man. I remember a play in 2019. I was watching you guys play Indy and the Colts were backed up. You probably know exactly what I'm talking about. You were in at three, and Josh Allen was outside, so they they injured oh, you okay. guys. Exactly and then you were in a t- you run in a t. The guard you you trip. The guard lands on you. He's trying to lay on you in the end zone. Jacoby's running five six seconds. You get up, chase him down, force a fumble. Your team goes in for a score. Like that's the, the cross chop stuff's great. Like your 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 pass rushes. You got a lot of counters, and you play with with great speed and quickness, but the effort, man, like that hunger, I think that's what gets lost in the shuffle too, is like, you're a high motor player too, bro. So I, like, what's your mindset on game day? Like what, what kind of, when you walk out of the tunnel, what's in your head? Uh, you know, well, I, I kind of just, you know, scroll past uh, certain legends on my phone and just watch, you know, the way they play the game. I'm, you know, one Sunday I may throw on uh, Lawrence Taylor, another Sunday I might throw on, Chris Dolman, I'm just watching guys, you know, watching how they impacted the game, and I just try to, you know, uh, mimic that on Sunday. Chris Dolman was awesome. Yeah, he was an animal, for sure. He might be my favorite that, like, you know, your casual fan in 2020 might not remember, but uh, if anybody gets a chance to go down the Chris Dolman YouTube rabbit hole, he was unbelievable. Um, So we're going to Indy this year. Like, where's your head at now? Because I know you talked about Vegas being up and down, like, quite honestly, you know, like, 
are you happy headed into Indy where you are right now, 27 years old? Yeah, absolutely. I got a lot of football left in me, man. I feel really, really, really good. And, you know, um, I'm going to play this game as long as I can just to prove my point, you know, that uh, to go down is one of the best, you know, to play this position. And um, going into Indy, you know, to answer your question, uh, I'm just, you know, super, super optimistic, but I'm really, really grateful that I'm back with a defensive coordinator that allows me to be me and play my style of play. What does that mean? Because you're, you're reuniting with Gus, Gus Bradley. What does that mean, your style of play? What is your style of play, and what's what, how are you best used? Yeah, you know, my style of play is, you know, being able to just, you know, get off the ball freely and, uh, you know, reacting on the fly. And uh, we have a thing in Indy now that we uh, go by – uh, it's like our motto or whatever. So rush means uh, run until something happens. And I love the stop. Yeah, I love you like you like that. I love I do because I can do that. Yeah, it's simple enough. Yeah, you know what I mean? Yeah. So you're familiar with the defense. You know, they ran into Philly where yeah. you can just line up why not and take off. So I'm just super excited about that. It just allows you to have more chances to, you know, affect the quarterback and affect the run on first and second down. No so. question. And what's really cool, and I said this the minute, like I loved watching you and Max. And I always get into this with people because I played opposite Robert Quinn and me and him raised a lot of hell. And, you know, he was just so special, man. He, I was across from me. He had 19 and we were, uh, it was a losing season and he had 19 and got one call back. He should have had 20 and had the sack title. But your guy Mathis got the, the title that year. But yeah. I, people always ask me, like, what's it like rushing across from a great player? How about rushing next to a great player? That's that's what I don't think people understand. Is to me, I think a tackle next to me, I'd rather have that than a bookend. So, you, like you're going into to Indy and you get to rush with Buckner, who I think is amazing. You guys are going to work great together. Like, talk to me about the the limitless possibilities that exist when you have somebody right inside, right there in that three. Yeah, man, absolutely. You know, um, some of the uh, greatest rushers on the end. Uh, had a, uh, a great three technique next to them. You know what I'm saying? And, you know, being able to have Buckner next to me is, you know, tremendously helpful, not just for myself, but for the whole team entirely because, you know, when you got two guys on the same page that can affect the quarterback, hey, we might take three guys and, you know, the other two guys can eat. You know what I'm saying? And yeah. vice versa. So, you know, being able to work certain uh, moves with them, work certain uh, games, text games, exit games, and things of that nature, you know, it should definitely help us be successful this season. And it's the naturals, too. Like, you get a feel for what that dude likes to, how he likes to rush. He gets a feel for how you like to rush. And, like, I always say this, if I'd have made more money at the end of my career, I would have given Fletcher Cox a cut, you know, because, you know, it's just so nice having a guy that gets vertical next to you that disrupts. And if you get blocked or somebody oversets you, Hey, I can loop right back around inside, and you, it's almost like you can kind of non-verbally communicate with this guy once you get tight enough with him before the snap. Just a look, and we know what we're doing. Absolutely, you know, and you can also give them, you know, code words. I'm pretty sure you did that in yeah, your career. Yeah, you know, so yeah, man. When you guys are on the same page, a three technique and a five technique, you know, sky's the limit. So, what's your favorite move to hit and like drop somebody on? Because I know you, your cross chops incredible, like. You got the you almost jump into your cross chop, like which I think is pretty damn cool. I used to watch yeah. Robert Quinn do that, and then I'd go try it, and I'd be like, "It's just not fucking working for me." I think I'll go with the long arm, but like, what's the key to landing that cross chop? And is there anything that actually feels sweeter when you land it? Oh man, I can't lie to you. The cross chop—that's that's that's my baby right there. Because yeah, that move, man, it, it can just free you up to just be able to make a game changer play and. 
uh, I feel like off of that move, there's so many other things you can do because sometimes a guy, he may be super scared to shoot that outside hand because that's the, the hand I'm aiming for when I do the cross shop and I can just, you know, hit a ghost move and just try to dip around them or uh, take that pad and all that leverage she just gave me and just work a, a long arm and stab to get to the quarterback. So, you know, there's so many moves that you can work off of it. But the, uh, my favorite position coach, you know, of all time, Coach Rob Marinelli told me that, you know, the greatest rushers only have two moves, two to three moves that you have in your um, your arsenal, and that's all you need. And if you can perfect those two to three moves, then you should be a super effective rusher in this league. Being a rusher is about dictating tempo, but it's also about, like, taking what you're given. You know, it's it's a really aggressive process, but it's also passive in being like, all right, he's high on me. Oh, he's, he's, he's ghosting that hand. Uh, he's too turned. Like, he's more turned than I thought he'd be at the beginning of the rush. Like, and then having those couple counters and working them. But I think it's really interesting what you said about the chop club. Like, you can go into it and think, hey, I'm going to chop this guy's hand down. But if it's not there, hey, now I'm going to power because he's probably high on me or I'm going to spin back or that sort of thing. So, like, rushing is one of those things that's part art and it's part plan. And it's so interesting to me, like, hearing guys' process. How about Indy? You got both your former teams that you don't, that you've talked about not loving publicly on the schedule this year. I'm not gonna say I don't like any teams, man. <laughs> let me not I put words. Let me not you love the teams, but maybe you had said like you can't wait to play the Raiders. I'll put it this way. Oh yeah, that's it. Yeah. I have no I have no hard, hard feeling towards them at all. You know, business is business at yeah. the end of the day. Yeah. And uh, yeah, man. No but worries. You got but, the, but so let me put it this way. Who are you what old friends are you more excited to see? Jacksonville or Vegas this year? Oh man. I'll definitely say Vegas. I feel like I had my way with Jacksonville and Baltimore. Yeah, yeah. But I, I, sleep, on no, I sleep on no opponents, man. I always try to bring my A game, man, no matter who it is. No question. Yeah. And that, like, I, you talked about Vegas a lot, man. I, that's a really interesting year because you played great. You hit double digits. You and Max were awesome. I felt like, and Max is one of my favorites, man. I felt like he got a lot of attention, as he should have. But you got lost in the shuffle, like, nationally. And you're right there with double digits, too, like, Absolutely. Um, yeah. What 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 was your year like, man? Like, what was it valuable? Was is it something you'd rather just move on from, or you you got? How do you feel about that year in Vegas? Yeah, man. I just feel like I learned a lot, you know, from that year in Vegas. Just you know, it was actually a blessing too because I was actually elected by my peers to become a captain. And that was the first time in my career that I was nominated as a captain. So you know, that was a tremendous feeling, especially you know really not being there um, physically in like voluntary workouts. So I feel like it speaks volumes of, you know, the character that I displayed while I was there. And, um, you know, one thing that I can take away from there is like I said, man, that, that connection that I made with, you know, coach Marinelli, uh, I'll keep forever. And he's, he's given me so many uh, tools and nuggets to allow me to keep the switch on and keep the internal motivation going to be able to keep playing this game. Well, yeah, Rod, like my D-line coach, Mike Waffle, was uh, like a just Rod's like a hero to him. I mean, all the best D-line coaches love Rod Marinelli, and the effort is always there. Like you can Absolutely. tell that group. What's up, Seven? Is that Seven? I just yeah, heard about seven. seven. What's up, Seven? You <laughs> can't stop. <laughs> Dude, I got to laugh. My laugh thinks he's a lap dog. He's fucking <laughs> 75 pounds. But yeah, cool. no, like uh, Marinelli, you can always hang your hat on the effort. And when you get respect from a guy like that who's coached a lot of great players, I heard you talk about this. It feels great. I mean, he said that if you keep working, you could be in Canton. And, you know, you're going to have those kind of numbers. I mean, you're already at 55 through six years. That's great. But, like, where it really shows up to me is when I hear that he calls Chris Ballard. 
you know, that's got to feel like, hey, I got a real ally in this thing, and he's a damn good one. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, um, those guys go way back. You know, when they built that Chicago defense uh, with Peppers and you know Erlach and those guys. So I'm just, you know, super. Like I said, super, super blessed and grateful to be able to have you know uh, a mentor like that. What was what? What do you think about Max, man? Like, did you have preconceived notions? Did you did you learn anything about him? Did like, what do you think about his game? Did you learn anything from him? Did he learn anything from you? What was that like? Uh, it was definitely great, man. Just being able to help polish his game. You yeah. know, we will push each other each and every day in practice. Um, you know, starting from the individual periods. You know, to get off drills and stuff like that. So, what I think about him is he has so much more potential and room to grow to become even a, a better player than yeah. what he is. And I feel like. Uh, he definitely uh, will retire in silver and black, man. And I'm super, super proud of him, you know, getting that deal. No question. Uh, and it's funny, like, again, back to the bookend thing, uh, there's countless amount of games that I watch and I'm like, you could have 15, he could have 15. The problem is you guys beat each other to the quarterback. <laughs> Absolutely. It was definitely a race, man. Every Sunday it was a race to get there. It yeah, I know the feeling. And there was a lot of heavy shit that went on, you know, the rugs deal, Gruden, I mean, I thought Basaccia, from what I heard, I was I was almost surprised they let him go because you had such a power group of like experienced coaches in that building. Like you had like a hundred years worth of experience in that building. Like you talked yeah. about Marinelli, you talk about Basaccia, you talk about guys oh. like, you know, Gus, right? Were you shocked they let that group go? Yeah, absolutely. You know, going through those, you know, those crazy events like you named, uh, I was surprised that we didn't get another opportunity, you know, as, a, as with that group, you know, uh, it just showed how much uh, perseverance we had as a group, how much character we had and toughness uh, to be able to still uh, gut it out and make it to the playoffs, you know, with all those things going on. But, you know, everything happens for a reason. So, yeah, like no, I said, no question. I mean, like, you know, I thought that was a special year. Like anybody that was on that team will remember that year forever. I feel like is one of those deals. Like you guys seem tight. You guys pulled together, somehow made the playoffs. It was insane. But you, you said you had your ups and downs. You talked about mental health. You talked about depression. Like you, you know, like talk to me about the lowest lows in Vegas. Yeah, man. You know, I just feel like you know, um, kind of going back to what you were saying as far as not getting the true attention. Uh, it hurt a little bit because it was so much uh, blood, sweat, and tears put into the last off season to be able to you know give that performance to those fans. And to not be recognized, you know, it kind of, you know, stung a little bit. But, you know, the best of the best have been knocked down so many times. It's about how you respond to it, you know. And my way of responding to it is getting up every day and busting my ass uh, in, in the gym, you know, whether it's, uh, like I said, man, the sled drags, the squatting and stuff like that, and also following it back up with the recovery. So I'm able to, you know, do that shit over and over again. So, um, yeah, that fueled me, dog. It fueled me. You know, I had ups and downs when I played, like for sure. And you know, I, our upbringings are way different. You've been through a lot more shit than me, but sometimes, you know, I, I wonder how much of it are we putting the pressure on ourselves? Being sure. to, that one number, dude, that one number, you know, like you know that number that gets us paid or doesn't get us paid, it's the sacks, right? Even if you're playing right. great, even if you have eight pressures, even if you have five hits, even if you won 70% of your rushes, if you don't get there, people are looking at you funny. And I feel like sometimes we as rushers put like a baseball amount of mental pressure on ourselves to get home. You know what I mean? It's true. Like 
you know, you played a long time, so you can you can definitely attest to this. When when you go out there and just have fun and play the game that you always played growing up as a kid, the sacks come out of nowhere. Yes. When you go out there and you put pressure on yourself mentally, like I gotta get this number of sacks that I, I need two or three, you come back home with none. So like when you just go out there and you just trust the process, the process favors nobody, you'll eventually, you know, get what's you know deserving upon you. So Sometimes, though, I'll be feeling like the process is favoring somebody else if I win. Yeah, if I hit a clean spin or whatever, like it, and the ball's gone, especially like if the coverage isn't great. So I, I just feel like rushers low key put as much pressure on themselves as any position in football because of that one number. You know what I mean? And Absolutely. I just think sometimes it's not healthy. You make a great point. Like go out there and just fucking play. Let it, it's the hardest thing to do is do that sometimes. Yes. Have fun. We, I, my best games is when I just had fun. Some of my lowest moments, I would talk to your dad, you know, Howie, you yeah. know what I'm saying? We would go back and forth, and it, I, I remember it vividly, you know, it was a certain game, and it was like two or three weeks, and I didn't have a sack or whatever, and he was just telling me, you know, you just got to trust the process, and they come in bunches. And sure enough, the week after, I think it was Chicago or something like that, I came out with two sacks, you know what I'm saying? So that's another, you know, um, person that helped me, to just maneuver through a lot of situations as well, uh, going through that season in Vegas, man, just getting information from a Hall of Famer, that meant a lot. Yeah, I was with him a couple times when he was hitting you up and listening to, you know, like kind of, man, the worst is when you start the year and you don't get that first one for a couple weeks. Like, you feel like the whole world is like kind of weighing you down, dude. You're right. If you you can't get, if you can go out in week one and get like a a two-piece, you're going to the Pro Bowl. Right, because you're playing with house money and you're doing exactly what you talked about, which is then having fun week two through seventeen. Absolutely, absolutely. It's the first one is the hardest one to give, but when you get it, uh, it's like a weight off your shoulders. <laughs> Hell yeah, dude! I know the feeling, man. <laughs> and I was always a slower starter because I feel like in training camp it's hard to get in a rhythm and like work all your stuff because there's less practices now. Like when I got in the league, it was the old CBA. We had two a days. You had more one on one pass rush, which sucks, but you get to work work your craft. Like nobody wants to take a bunch of reps in the hundred degree weather, but that's where like you can get better. And we don't do that as much anymore. And then preseason people are running basic shit because they don't want to get their quarterback killed. And so you can't really let it loose. And then those first third downs come and you're like, damn, I'm rusty. So it's almost like now the first month of the season is like getting into a rhythm. Absolutely. That's why you always should find time in training camp, you know, as a defensive lineman to just, you know, work on your steps after practice, work on a, on a pass. Let me work on that, you know. Also, you know, bring an offensive lineman with you. You know, um, a guy that's that's a starter or a guy that's on practice squad to give you, give you some sets so you can just work your moves, man, stuff like that. Always putting the extra work in. No so. question, man. Like, uh, get a young guy that can't say no. <laughs> Absolutely. There you go. Get a rookie. Now, get a rookie. You're, now you're a big OG, dude. Now you can pull anybody out of there, dude. You can, tell, you can tell these rookies what to do. The Jacksonville thing, man, like, I feel – not what you feel maybe because you guys were a player two away from the Super Bowl, but when I was in St. Louis, I was a part of a really great D-line and we broke up. They broke the band up. You know, like injuries broke the band up, business broke the band up, the whole thing. Do you feel like, do you look back at that thing and be like, what might have been, man, that group we had? Yeah, man, it was a special group, man, from the top to the bottom of the defense, man. It was, you know, even 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 a uh, second string man, we were we were, our guys yeah. were just coming off the bench and balling, and you know it it kind of hurts to, you know to talk about that because you 
you think about what it could have been, but you know, everything happens for us, you know, a reason. And we all had our specific journeys and paths to take. Did you ever get in that pool up in the stadium? Never been. <laughs> nah, no. It looks disgusting, dude. I always ask. <laughs> like, <laughs> there people are swimming in there, dude. Yeah, I just had like, to. You know, I had to get my pool question in. <laughs> Calais Campbell, what did he mean to you, man? To this day, still means a lot to me, man. He's like a, a second order brother I never had. Um, a guy that you just taught me about the game outside of the game, like really thinking from a, a bigger, bigger perspective, man, yeah. and uh, an outlook. So, you know, Calais, that's a guy that's definitely going to be in Canton. A yeah. guy that I try to model my after and a person that I speak to to this day, just getting advice that has nothing to do with, you know, the business of football could just be something about, you know, being a great uh, man. You know what I'm saying? So good dude. Do you have anything that he said that's kind of stuck with you? Cause I remember the vets gave me a nugget or two cause I was surrounded by vets. Do you remember anything that he said that changed your game or the way you operate? Yeah, man. One thing he always told me was a quote, man. And I'm a quote, I'm a quote him. You know, nobody cares about how you feel. People only uh, care about results. So uh, that always stuck with me, man. You know, if I got a little nag going on going on or whatever or something's bothering me, I still try to set the example for the young dudes. I practice. I'm not a guy that um, – and you've seen it, Chris. Yeah. You know, you see guys that, uh, man, I'm hurting today, coach. Can I get one? Like, I'm a guy that I practice. I lead by example. If I'm, if I'm totally messed up, I don't messed up. But, you know, I'm always – on the field, bro. But also, I think one of the biggest things there is your teammates respect you. You know, like, yeah. and and your D linemen respect you because if you get that, if you if you have that work ethic, if you don't have that work ethic, and you show up and you're like, I'm going to take the day off today. Well, guess who has to take more reps? You and me. You know, it's like true. especially in training camp and shit. So we're in this thing together. You know what I mean? And and like, yeah, if we were on the same D line and I had a nag and I still could go you know, within reason, I got to look at you before I go into the training room, you know what I mean? For the day. And I, I wouldn't want to let you down. And and I think that's, I think that's a lot of like leading by example. You got to lead from the front. Like you, I couldn't lead if I felt like people were looking at me sideways because I wasn't doing what I was supposed to do. It's you, true. you know what I mean? This is very true, bro. It's about, you know, um, also being a servant leader, man, being a servant leader. And one, another thing that, uh, Coach Gus left me with um, that's just stuck in my head, you know, and he says it every time I see him. When you give with no intent to receive, the blessings come back twofold. And that's yeah. another way of giving back by, you know, not putting all those reps on your, on your uh, teammates. So. No question. Yeah. No question. I wanted, to, I wanted to plug something that you had talked about earlier on social this week, and I told you when he came on, I would. Everyone Home DC. Why, why is Everyone Home DC important to you? And give us a little background on how you came up, man, because I thought that was really powerful. Yeah, you know, everyone home D.C., you know, just empowering single moms in the D.C. area, uh, War 7. And they're just, you know, funding uh, these moms to allow them to help their children, you know, go through uh, after school programs, groceries, you know, et cetera, et cetera. And, you know, how I got closely connected to it and why I was drawn to it was because, you know, I've been through a similar situation, you know, coming from the DC area, PG area, you know, uh, not, not having it all, you know, coming, coming home with, you know, really sometimes no meals in the house, you know, you have a special, you know, uh, passion for that and a uh, soft side for that. So, you know, when I was looking for certain, um, groups to partner with, that was just like the one group that really stuck out to me. You know, my mom was a single mom. She worked hard to, 
allow my brother and myself to be able to, you know, achieve our goals. You know what I'm saying? And if it wasn't for her, I don't know where I would be. So that's why I, I partnered with, the, with everyone on DC. You talked about some of the, you know, I don't want to put it like you tell me trauma or bad memories or just experiences that you kind of grew up around. Has that been cathartic to share that? Cause you talked about that in the, in the Tyler Dune article that, that I read. And I mean, that takes balls to come out and talk about some of that stuff. Has it helped you to talk about that? Is that weight off your chest or uh, why share? I mean, I feel like I should share it because when the story's all said and done, uh, as far as my career, you know, I wanted, I wanted to really be impactful to somebody that's going through something similar, you know, that has uh, aspirations not to just be a football player, but whatever they want to be, regardless of the situation they're in uh, financially or, you know, whatever environment they're in. So that's why I chose to share that. And I'm not the only person that's been through that and that's going through it right now in, in our country. So, you know, I just wanted to share that and let anybody know that's going through something similar, that anything's possible if you, you know, sacrifice and, Whatever you're going through, you just push that to the side and keep going forward. No question. My one burning question for you is this. The logo thing in Kansas City, was that you? Yeah. Oh, for sure. That was 100%. <laughs> I knew that had, some, that had asshole written all over it. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> that, had D, yeah. that had D. Liven written all over it. You know who tried to take credit was Will Compton. He told me that, hey, that was me, dog. No, nah, tell Will, stop lying, man. <laughs> To Will's top line, he had no credit. No, give him no credit for that. So it was the first guy in the middle. Yeah. Nah, man. I just wanted guys, you know, to uh, to to rise up to the level of the occasion, man. It wasn't a disrespect the history of Kansas City or that organization on or, or no fan or player. It was just like, come on, bro, we're here. You know what I'm saying? The last time we played them, they embarrassed us at our house. You know what I'm saying? That was my whole mindset going. Yeah, so. it's the burn the ships mindset. Burn Absolutely. the ships. I think I think that's one of my favorite sayings. You talked about a couple sayings that you heard that stick. I love burn the ships because it just means like we're here. Let, there's no fucking way out, and we might as well lean into it. You know, like so. I <laughs> ballsy to do it in that arrowhead, but I fucking love it, dude. I love it, anyways. Um, you got any big goals, man? Like you got sack number goals. You 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 have career goals that that you you think about as you head into the next ten years of your career, hopefully. You know, to, to get to garnish that attention that we talked about earlier, you know, garnish that true attention. Uh, and not just as a player, but as a man, you know, getting with everyone on BC in the future, you know, organizations that I will be partnering with, uh, with to just make change, you know, to be recognized for that. Um, at first, it was all about football for me. You know what I'm saying? Like, I want to be the greatest pass rush. I want to break Bruce Smith's record and get 201 career sacks and stuff like that. And all that stuff is great. I still want to do that. But the best of the best that come through this business are the people that change lives and the Walter Payton man of the years. Those guys are the people that live forever because they made a difference. And I want to be both. I think you can, man. Uh, and my wish for you is that when you have kids and they become football players, they go to Virginia and not Maryland. That's my wish for you. <laughs> and just, hey, hey, just, like, hey, they always got a place to hang out here in Charlottesville, man. You know what I'm right? That's what <laughs> Uh, hey, dude, I appreciate the time, and I'm wishing you the best of luck this year. It should be a lot of fun in Indy, I think. Big bro, appreciate you having me, man, for yeah, sure. Anytime, buddy. If you're in Arizona, Colorado, Indiana, New Jersey, New York, Michigan, Tennessee, or Virginia, and you haven't tried the WinBet app yet, I got great news for you. New users can take advantage of WinBet's Bet 50 Win 200. That's right. WinBet is basically giving you free money 
Don't pass it up. Download the WinBet app today. Terms and conditions apply. Must be 21 or older and present in a state where WinBet is available. Gambling problem? In Arizona, call 1-800-NEXT-STEP. In Colorado, Indiana, New Jersey, and Virginia, call 1-800-GAMBLER. And in Michigan, 1-800-270-7117. Tennessee, y'all too. 1-800-889-9789. Meg, I see you got black socks on just like that shitty draft the other day. Somebody, Matt just said somebody on Twitter said what? They said he used an unacceptable amount of draft capital on the Fab Five sneakers and socks picks. <laughs> I really enjoyed and appreciated that comment. And hindsight being 2020, I would have taken black shoes, black socks with my final pick, you know, right. but you all wouldn't allow me to take it with one pick. So I had to spread it out and I'm happy with my draft. I, I've been sleeping real well, looking myself directly in the eyes in the mirror. I love my accessory draft. It's always somebody else's fault. We no, wouldn't nobody let fault. you. Look, I, Hey, they were they were two very good teams in that draft, and I I don't want to. <laughs> have you talked to Backy about the draft? By no, the way? I haven't. Strong feelings. Bad back Backy thinks you won. No, I didn't. That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying oh. he has very strong feelings. He thinks we should have drafted Michael Jordan's gold chain from the slam dunk contest <laughs> and, and uh, McMahon's uh, Pete Rosell headband. He really does like McMahon's headband. Like basically, he just gave me seven. Chicago, Chicago yeah. accessories. <laughs> there was a good correction on the internet that it's uh, it was an LT earring more so than a lightning bolt, but they're kind of similar. The L and the T, really, and the lightning. But yeah, it was his initials. You sure, it wasn't a double entendre visually Might have been. the cat. Might have been, and I'm not saying he never had a lightning bolt earring, right, right. but what I think what we think of is an L and a T. Oh, I think a lightning bolt. Yeah, hence the draft. Um, you know, lightning goes all sorts of different directions. So yeah, I'm sure but I mean, the way lightning strike. is described, I mean. You want a realistic lightning bolt now? Like we got a Tampa Bay Lightning graphic has Tampa Bay Lightning logo has to be like, <laughs> yeah, all over the place. Really? Like one of them things? Yeah. You know those. It is, it is LT, it's but LT. it looks like a fucking lightning. Looks like bolt. a lightning bolt. To I me. always thought it was a lightning bolt too. That yeah. sucks. <laughs> Let well, me look back at it. DQ is nothing to be ashamed of. Oh, it's you not a DQ. It it's not a DQ. See, he's still trying to. Hey man, because he had a shitty draft. Let I, me take you behind the curtain. I had curtain. a great draft, and I love you, and Macon I love your draft. In, I love your draft, too. But Macon walked in and was like, I don't know about this draft. Well, and that's it, true. And, and the process bared itself out. No, I disagree. <laughs> I think the draft broke for me, and it, it, it went really well. I'm really happy with it. Lawrence Taylor lightning bolt earrings. In spite of not feeling great going into it. See? Look at this. Like the Philadelphia Eagles. Boy, it really does look like fucking lightning Did, to me. Didn't prepare and came out fine. Like the Philadelphia Eagles. Look at the, look, he even wore the lightning bolt earrings to the Super Bowl. Yeah. Looks like know. a lightning bolt to me. Well, maybe he had that idea. Maybe the folks back in the mid 80s were like, hey, it's your I think, initials. Hey, I think the initial earrings still make the cut. I mean, For like sure, maybe dude. that puts Reed on top. <laughs> Reed didn't understand the assignment. Dude, whether it's an LT or a lightning bolt, it still is a great pick. No, but Reed, I think Reed might have won the draft as a result of this, right. Reed. I think I should have won the draft, and hearing your comments making my goal for the next draft and the, all the drafts following that, I just want you to approve my draft. That's all. I'm going to work my tail off to have you approve my draft. Whatever we all next want your approval, is, Macon. Look, I want Macon's approval. Look, y'all want to fax up a, a, a draft? Draft's going to be faxed up, you know? <laughs> I, I think we need to take a long look in the mirror, decide what kind of draft pot we want to be. Uh, one or a fake one. Everybody's got jokes. Doesn't mean they're good. All right. So I'm gonna go on vacation. I'll come back. 
Y'all can let me know what kind of draft pile we're going to be. It's a great draft, Chris. And Cowboy, it was, yours was creative. All right, so you feel good now. You have the reinforcement. Hey, I want to do a little good, bad, and ugly. Baseball. There are three things that happened since the last time we had a podcast. Albert Pujols pitched. A guy uh, from Arkansas handled a raccoon in front of 60,000 people, I feel like. Uh, which is just incredible. And yeah. then the, the Reds no-hit somebody. So where do you think I'm going to put each one? Where would you put each one of those things? Okay, how I would, raccoon is good. Bad is the no-no into a loss. Okay. And ugly is Pujols because, one, guy's name's Pujols, which is wild. Yeah. And the other thing is you people in St. Louis have some kind of fucked up way of thinking about yourselves in your baseball club, the Cardinal way and all oh, that I stuff. Don't, I don't, I don't, I don't. I mean... Matt's in here calling freaking Adam Wainwright Wayno every day. He is every calling him Wayno, dude. Like, it, it's, it's wild. Well, wow. you listen to enough AM radio there. It's fucking, well, yeah. Like, if, shout if, out to Randy Carricker and those guys. I've got love for Albert Pujols, all right? Yeah. Um, but I just want to push back a little bit on the on the on the, the idolatry of this. Of Listen, this I'm no big fan of like the elitist kind of cardinal way attitude that some okay. of the fans can. I mean, look, this that could be sacrilegious good, to some people. Hey, listen, I played there a long time. I don't have to. That's the first time in my adult life as a pro athlete that I had to plant my flag as like I will not adopt your favorite team just because. I mean, you used to. They used to be like, why not the Cardinals? The Cardinals game is on. I'd be like, yo, my son got born. They're like, the Cardinals game is on. <laughs> so like, it was that kind of thing. They expect you to be in front of the TV just because you live in that city. Nah, but I do love the players. I do think Albert Pujols has a, a really great reputation in that city for a good reason. Yeah. Uh, what, now, the first time he left, it was like the sky was falling and they were going to hate him forever. Like He had a restaurant. I think it went under. Yeah, but they they offered him like a hundred million dollars less than the Dodgers were willing to offer him. So right, well, it's the the hundred million the the away. Which one's it going to be? And he chose the money. And And this is your good, yeah. Yeah. Now I want to say this too, though. There's nobody cooler than Yachty, bro. Yep. Yep. Can I defend the Cardinals and St. Louis Cardinals fans here for a second? Please. Like I, I used to think like you guys, and then I got into it and like started going to Cardinals games. They're fun. It is a great sports city that had the NBA leave that had the NFL leave get pulled under from under from them and like the Cardinals is like a way of life there. It's like a religion. Like you can't go out to a bar if you can't talk about like their middle you can't infield be rotation. A bar if there's not a baseball game. Yeah. Oh no. I used like, to go. I used to try to get like an NBA playoff game turned on like on one screen. And they'd be like, I don't know, regular season cards game. But I am saying, I did bar rescue in the shadows of that stadium. There are bars there, no disrespect, that are there just because there's baseball. 100%, yeah. Like many a bar. Baseball town. You can't have a, yeah. So like the Cardinals, I mean, they're an institution there, so I get it. But I got to think people might think They're like the Midwest Yankees a little bit, and people might not want to hear that, but, you know, like, and that's not necessarily a bad thing, depending on how you look at it. Most National League titles, yeah, no doubt. Yeah. People might think of the Cardinal way, kind of how fans view, like maybe UVA fans, like, oh, you guys think you're special? We don't win special. a lot. Yeah, without that part of it. Yeah. 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 Um, you know, you call it grounds instead of campus and first year. Yeah, a little bit of that. And I don't call it, cam- I call it campus. I don't call it grounds. Yeah, and I will say, Wayno does win a lot. Him and Molina just got the most wins of any battery in history, 203. Why would you say it is that 
other fans view Cardinals fans as because um, oh, everybody like who isn't a way, fan of the Cardinals hates Cardinals heaven. fans. But why? Because they're elitist. I, okay. I understand that. Right. No. So you get the the bit. Yeah. He's saying the bit is well founded. Okay. Like he's been to that fucking stadium. When you look through that arch to the west, right? It's a gateway. Yeah. yeah. It's a gateway. I can go there. The home run could go there. Yep. It's a beautiful cityscape relative to where they put the stadium. Beautiful I mean, like, stadium. If I was a player, cool. I mean, I'd cool want to play uniforms, there. Classic Solid. kind of franchise. Yep. Games and really are sold cool out. Players. Yeah. Yeah. It's not like playing in Oakland for five thousand people. It's forty thousand every night. By the way, I got I got somebody reached out to me. Um, one of the ticket guys from the A's reached out to me and was like, "Yo, hit yeah. me up." I was like, "I bet you would like that." <laughs> for I'm twenty thousand youths to come to the <laughs> Oakland game. Yeah, I wonder why they're interested. But I I got us off track. Which what's your good? What's your bad? What's your ugly? No, it's a good conversation. I say good is Pujols because I love seeing fucked up shit happen on a baseball field. Really has nothing to do with. Albert Pujols, I mean, it's fun to see him pitch and, like, have to be, you know, bad at something. Like, you know, he's been so good at something. I love seeing a great athlete be bad at something. There's nothing more humanizing than that. But he still had some decent movement. It's amazing. These All these players, they know how to throw breaking balls and shit. Uh, no, he was out there like Tim Wakefield without the knuckler, and guys were hitting dongs off him, and he didn't smile after he got a dong hit off him, which I I totally respect. He he's he's I just, do like that. Yeah, he didn't smile, he didn't joke about it. But he was having fun with it. It was obvious in a game that was like seventeen five or something against yeah. the Giants or whatever it was. Uh that was a lot of fun to watch. And then a dude got a hit off him and wanted the ball. Just like you got hundred and sixty two of these fucking games. You know how they have like, you know, T shirt cannon night, which is like every night. They need to have like Position player pitches yes. night. Like, yes. Yeah. Backwards uniforms night. Yeah. You know, like. Bat with your opposite hand night. night. You know? Yeah. You see the freeze got beat. The mascot, it runs really fast around the outfield. He got beat by a fucking civilian. Uh, so good is going to be Albert Pujols because that was fucking cool. Just seeing him in the uniform is cool. Bad is going to be, I guess, which I hate to say this is bad, Aww. but the raccoon. Yeah. I'm not a big uh uh, what do we call raccoons? Trash pandas? My only thing is it's bad because the guy has handled a trash panda before. Like, this guy is routinely handling trash pandas, whoever this is. Yeah. He he got his uh, paw not on the raccoon, not on the, the gentleman's hand a little bit. Oh, so he actually got his hand uh, because I was going to say. That's yeah. rabies. His technique, was, right. he, he did it like it was foolproof. Like, you hold the back of the neck like one of those animals that holds their uh, young by the back of the neck. And he knew that the raccoon's snout couldn't get around and bite his wrist, I guess, but it did? Yeah, it rotated that neck pretty far around and got him on the knuckle. And what's the, uh, what do we do with the It's bad, dude. That's bad. Backfire. Raccoon. You're not getting paid off that. What happened? Did we... Animal control. Did we rehome it? Put him in the bullpen, dude. They get him out of there, dude. So, I'm gonna go uh, bad is raccoon because... That guy looks like he's done it before. He got bit as a result. He's probably got to get a shot. All for what? Rabies. He definitely doesn't have a TikTok that he can monetize this thing on. People that handle raccoons don't have TikToks. So the guy's just fucking, he got rabies for free. He's going to be like, remember me a couple College World Series ago? Oh, look at him right there. That's him getting bit. Yeah, that's impressive range of motion on the raccoon. Grant Harmon is the gentleman's name. An avid outdoorsman. Oh, yeah, I'll bet you he is an avid outdoorsman. Carried the raccoon out of the stadium. 
That's bad. He reluctantly agreed to a rabies shot <clears throat> after the game. In the reluctantly ER agreed to a rabies shot. Ugly. The Reds threw a no-hitter, which is a mutiny in, in and of itself, and... And they lost. So they fucking... They're really trying to win, which is a no-no, because we, we figured out they're tanking. Uh, and then they found a way to lose throwing a no-hitter. It's only happened three times ever? Six. Six, Six times ever? Yeah. Baseball's 300 years old, dude. Their best prospect is this pitcher, Hunter Green. Now, he was at... Hunter Green? Hunter Green, yeah, Stop yeah, Stop yeah. it, dude. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> His brother's name's Kelly. Uh, he plays for the Reds. He, <laughs> he was at 103 pitches through seven. Yeah. And it was like a big thing whether or not to send him back out. Remember yeah. back in our day. That would have been a no-hitter every time. Throwing him out for 150 pitches. No no question. But this guy's young. Yeah. And they're worried about it. And then he goes out and uh, walked two, I think. And then he got the hook. And then they walked another. And then there was a, got it, a double got it, play got it, ball. Got it, got it, got it. I'm being an adult right now. Yeah, be a grown-up. It's all right. Be a grown up when the fact that we had company did not stop making from. I'll be a grown up. <laughs> hey, dude, there was an eclipse last night before we get into this NBA stuff. Total eclipse of the heart, Pink Floyd, Hendrix. Yeah. There was an eclipse last night, and uh, I didn't see it. Reed, you definitely saw it, didn't you? Well, I heard about it. Neil deGrasse Tyson. How can you hear about an eclipse? <clears throat> That's true. Well, I heard that it was happening. Well, no, people were talking about it. Is oh, what he meant. oh, oh, oh. Yeah. And Neil deGrasse Tyson said that it is uh, not interesting and that it doesn't matter. <laughs> oh, a good. That's lo- really good. A lunar eclipse does not, I'm with does, Neil. is not interesting I'm with at Neil, all. too, because I had it on my fucking calendar and everything and then, uh, and then didn't make it outside. So you're talking about this lunar eclipse and it's not like a bit about the suns? Well, that's the whole thing. It's a rough day for the suns because the moon took all the fucking credit. Damn. You know, outside you had the moon hogging the spotlight. Inside the suns, it was a massive sunset. It's like a three-hour sunset, dude. Sun was just slowly going down, dude. Uh, that was one of the worst ass kickings I've ever seen since Memphis beat the dog shit out of Golden State in game uh, mm. five or six or whatever it was. So the suns are done, bro. Ryan Rosillo, our guy, he's upset about it. R.I.P. We talked nice to Joe, Joe House about that. He's a big Chris Paul fan. It, it was a tough scene in the group text last night for Ryan Rosillo. The thing I want to talk to you guys about this is Luca. Shocker, right? I just think it's so crazy that this whole European guy, like so, being soft thing, gets flipped on its head with Luca so hard. He's like the toughest fucking guy in the NBA. He's not afraid of anybody, dude. He's 23 years old. Born in 1999. Bro, he, he, I was, I had been out of Little League. For like two or three years by the time he was born. And he is, I am so much of a pussy compared to Luka Doncic, bro. Well, he's been playing pro ball for like eight years. And here's the thing. This was it. It was this CJ McCollum tweet. Uh, No wonder he's not afraid of a game seven on the road in the NBA. He's not afraid of the fucking Valley, dude. CJ McCollum's tweet read something along the lines of he's seen, uh, you know, uh, police with AKs separating uh, you know, unruly fans while the game's going on in a, in one of these basketball arenas in Euroleague. Like he's he's seen flares going off. I was YouTubing last night. CJ McCollum at one point during the second half of of this basketball game, it was weird because it wasn't at home, and I didn't feel that same pile on factor. It was a different kind of like brutal than Memphis beating up on Golden State. It was like kind of sad because of the Suns and Ryan Rosillo and mm-hmm. Chris Paul. 
Um, but but it was also just brutal. Luca was like he hit a three to put them up like thirty, mm-hmm. and the face he made was just so like, "Fuck you!" Oh, you the stink face. Me. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Luca has one of the best stink faces yeah. in pro sports. But at that point, I was like, "Why am I watching this game?" And thankfully, I saw the CJ McCollum tweet around then and was like, "Oh, I can exit this game and enter uh, YouTube." and go down this rabbit hole of EuroLeague basketball and see what these fans are really about. Holy shit, dude. It's like Borussia Dortmund indoors. I don't know what their circulation protocol is, but they've got smoke bombs going off inside of a 20,000 person arena. There's like a canopy over the players. They're sitting on the bench because they're afraid of getting hit by items, dude. It's so crazy. Don't the items then go onto the court? But that, yeah, but that's the fucking thing. Luca. In two minutes of YouTubing, I heard noises and saw things that would have stopped 100 out of 100 NBA games, dude. And it's just yeah. like the second quarter. Things are just going on in the stands in, the, in these EuroLeague games. And it makes perfect sense why Luka doesn't... You know, obviously, he's very good. And, you know, Spencer Dinwiddie wasn't nervous anywhere. He wouldn't play it in fucking Belgrade. But, he, like... He won't stop shooting that Spencer Dinwiddie. It doesn't Dinwiddie. hurt. Yeah, game well, seven He got Spencer. paid in crypto and it just crashed, so he needed to... He's a crypto he guy. He needed to play well. That's why? He he's been, he's been playing very poorly. Yeah. But here's the thing. Like, these guys who played in Europe, I just always thought the book on them was highly skilled, not highly tough. The book is based on flawed stereotypes and nobody should read it. Fuck that book. That book is why Marvin Bagley got selected over Luka Doncic. Think about how crazy that is. He's 18 years old. He's the MVP of Eurobasket, playing in Belgrade, Serbia, like um, like amongst the crowds that you just talked about with like death threats, all sorts of crazy shit. You have to get private security all the time. And he's the third pick in the draft. Well, the MVP of the Euroleague. I will say, to be fair, a lot of the body types they seem to select out of Europe don't end up working out real well like you know what i mean like maybe your guy from gonzaga needs to go to europe for a few years to do the to fully embrace the stereotype yeah and like i think chet will be good but if you put chet in your league like he's not the mvp luca was the mvp at 18 years old it's like we've never seen somebody with that type of resume and he's completely lived up to it so cj mccollum's tweet was wow luca wow he'd been playing in games on the road with fires and flares going off in the stands. Police officers with AK separating the rows in the arena back in Europe. Road game with pressure isn't really pressure to him. Killer performance. PJ Tucker said that he played in a game in Turkey where fans were lighting coins, like using a lighter to light the coins, then throwing them at us. That's what PJ Tucker said. He also had private security detail when he played in Greece because the rivalry between Panathinaikos and the other team was so intense that they were worried for their personal safety. Well, they don't fuck around in Greece. Have you ever seen like their government affairs? Yeah. Like essentially like the basketball game, dude. They're just people yelling and throwing shit. You remember that movie? John Travolta and Olivia Newton, John? No. Greece. Oh, got it. (laughs) That's a good one. Uh, Tell me more. This was from uh, Matt Thomas, who had just played in Spain. I had played in some great environments in college. I went to Iowa State, blah, 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 Allen Fieldhouse at Kansas, but it's just different in Europe. My first memory was Belgrade, he says. I walked out on the court, and there's all these police in SWAT gear or riot gear, I guess, holding these clear shields, basically as a barrier between the game and the crowd. Our bench had covers on it. I mean... Shit, there's games where you hear that they're starting fires and stuff in the crowd, as CJ McCollum said. So 
Um, this is my favorite one in Greece. A lot of fans smoke in the arena. Mm-hmm. <laughs> All at halftime. Awesome. The whole stadium fills up at halftime with smoke. You're breathing in darts. You're breathing in darts when you play in Greece. Now I, I, I'll draw a straight line for, from the from the from the toughness, Luca to toughness. The but, valley, dude. But, but to your point, some Greek guys cigarette smoke. Go ahead. I'm not sure about the correlation, just because we are talking about Luca being MVP of a league that features, say, a, a Matt Thomas, who I right, couldn't right, remember right. if he went to Iowa State or not. I'm Dame. not talking about running to turn my card in okay. to draft a European guy. What I'm saying is Luca seems to be one of the most mentally tough athletes in American professional sports. Say word. And and that good too. And his game is gonna age. Like you look at John Morant, one of my favorite players, his game is based on his explosive athleticism. Like Luca's going at the pace he plays. Right. Nobody speeds him up. He goes however he wants, he plays with power. He'll be able to play till he's forty years old. <clears throat> That's a very good point. And it's we talk about it with football too. And I don't know if this is the truth in basketball, but it would seem to make sense. Like Speed players age quicker, power players can play longer. Um, and I mean, like, I kind of wondered today looking at this series with Golden State coming up. Um, I mean, he came out in that game just with the killer instinct, more of the same thing I'm talking about. They scored like it's, they said the first eight points. Mm-hmm. This guy, he's just got a great mindset. But I'm looking at, at this series coming up and I'm saying, I can remember when LeBron was young and he was a, a Cavalier and they played the Spurs who had been there, done that, and were like this dynastic kind of team. Now, Golden State is a couple years removed from their dynasty, uh, but the, the question I would ask as I draw that parallel is, uh, who's, who's supporting cast is better? Is it Dallas's now? Or was it uh, Big Z and all those guys, the, the Larry Hughes? Yeah, yeah Larry it's Hughes Dallas's from, now. It's Dallas's now. Yeah. But by how much? Uh, I didn't have to think about it. It's, it's like easy. That, that was one of the all-time worst supporting casts yeah. to make a finals. Like Dallas, at least, like Jalen Brunson's pretty good. But there's still a good. one-star team. No doubt, but he might be the best player in the world. It's just so funny that there's very few one-star teams remaining, like in the NBA, that that make pushes this deep. I mean, and and here they are in the conference finals. I'm being an adult making. Um, here they are in the conference finals playing a team that has multiple stars, multiple guys who have been there and done that. And it just kind of reminded me of that series, but you're right. I mean, like when you talk about the worst supporting cast that went the deepest is Cleveland. And if this team makes the finals, I wonder where they would, they would rank. I mean, I'm not saying that their supporting cast is terrible, but how many finals teams are this one star centric? No, generally NBA speaking, it's like you need two stars. That's the logic. And then sometimes they think you get three. You know, like the big three in Miami, obviously. So it would be unique for sure. And like one mo, I just want to focus in on one moment last night that I thought was so awesome. Like it was weird how all the Suns fans kind of left and it got quiet and the Dallas fans came down, but it gave you great lines of sight and you could see Dirk Nowitzki just eating it up, yeah. enjoying it, and then dapping up Luca afterwards. That was awesome. That was really cool. Also, to think that they hit the fucking Euro lottery twice. That's uh, right. It's just in- insane. Now, can I read you some names from the um, EuroLeague All-Decade team, of which Luca? We is get a, it. It's not Luka a good Doncic league, dude. I'm is not, I'm not with is, Matt though. in that. You know, you got to draft all EuroLeague guys. But if you, I'm, if you I'm just saying, in retrospect, it's not like Luca number one was a foregone conclusion. He's flipping. That, that sure, Phoenix sure, 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 sure. I didn't say that. Go ahead. 
Luca number one absolutely was a foregone conclusion if you had done like any home. People were freaking Maynard out Christich. about Vlade Divac. I know, but like the Alexi Euroleague is better Shred. than NCAA. Oh, that's interesting. It's yeah. not close. Those are oh, men. Just some NCAA Devin names. Smith, University of Virginia fame. Like like 20 years yeah, ago. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Ekpe Udo. I mean, when's, how far do we have to go back to find like a true one-star operation thriving? LeBron James. No, it's just same team, same guy we were just talking about, 2011. I mean, I guess you could the the you know the the Raptors had Kawhi, but they also had guys like Lowry and Mavericks, and 2011 Mavericks and, with Dirk. You think? Yeah, single star. They beat the Miami Heat. Somebody's going to tell you there was another star on that team. Well, and I'm going to say Tyson Chandler, and old Jason Kidd, and Sean Marion weren't stars. They're good yeah. players. Oh, Sean Marion. What was his nickname? The uh, Matrix. X. The Matrix. If you're yeah. the Matrix, you're a star. Jay Kidd. Shout out Jay Kidd. So if you have a his, if you have a nickname huh? in the NBA, you're a star. Well, I mean, come on, dude. You know what's coming next? What? There are Swish. <laughs> I'm just saying, like, I could name a bunch of guys that you know. Insanity. Karam Butler. That team was solid. That team was better than this team. Yeah, they were better than this team. Yeah, with a less good alpha dog. Agreed. Yeah, you're right. But but also the the number two wasn't as good. The number two was better. The number two was better. No doubt, yeah. So I'm looking back and I'm saying, if, if they win, here we go, we're going to curse them because we cursed Joel Embiid. <laughs> Where would you put this, you know, the Dallas Mavericks winning the NBA title as far as like, who the fuck is this supporting cast? I don't know, I'm not the NBA expert here, but I'm looking at the teams that, that win these things, the Bucks, the Lakers, uh, the Raptors, well... Yeah, the Bucks, Ra- like, Raptors stand out to me as the one, but they benefited but they so heavily from that injury. Second tier stars. They had yeah. say Siakam is like a fucking. There's oh, no Lowry. Siakam on Dallas. There's no Lowry on Dallas. Jalen Brunson's really good. He's a young Lowry. Yeah, it's actually a decent comp. They both went to Villanova. Similar yeah. body types. So interesting. I just think Luca's just doing. He's. It's it's pretty remarkable what he's doing. You know. And and Booker and and the special taunt is up there with LeBron and D Wade doing the you know, so we talk about now mocking Dirk so it's coming full circle don't mock these fucking European guys dude they've played in front of smoke bombs and shit they don't care and Little Wayne called him a hoe <laughs> yeah I saw that he spelled hoe with no e which was the most confusing part of it that's ho 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 Wheezy a oh, hoe really? is H O E like garden garden hoe. Yeah, dude. Yeah. But Weezy's the rapper, so but that backfired. He was sitting courtside last night. He probably got a a a, a mean mug from Luca too. Love this. We almost completed Ryan Rosillo's nightmare. We have Jokic out in the first round, his MVP. We have uh, Chris Paul out. Uh, blows a two two nothing lead again, and then the third part of that nightmare was the Celtics had mm. lost, but the the Celtics keep playing. Celtics are really tough, man. Holy shit! Did you see at the end of the game last night what happened with your brother Aaron Holiday? Oh, I did. I did. He broke the code. Uh, so he stole the ball from Boban as Boban was running out the last few seconds of the game. Went to the other side and shot a three, almost starting yeah. a fight with a That's very right. intimidating That's right. figure. Yeah, you made a good point. So so did my brother. Kyle did that with William Hayes. So 
the Holiday thing continues. Andrew Holiday didn't have a great game seven, so comp is back on. He was getting too good to be Chris Long, and now he's he's we're we're back. Chris Long, Drew Holiday thing is strong. Are you ready for Joe House? Oh yeah, House from D.C. There's no I in team, but there is one in Indeed, and that's the hiring partner you need to build yours. When you're hiring, you need Indeed. Indeed is the hiring platform where you can attract, interview, and hire all in one place. Instead of spending hours on multiple job sites searching for candidates with the right skills, Indeed's a powerful hiring partner that can help you do it all. Find great talent faster through time-saving tools like Indeed Instant Match assessments and virtual interviews. With Instant Match, over 80% of the employers get quality candidates whose resume on Indeed matches their job description the moment they sponsor a job according to Indeed data. US. One of the things I love about Indeed is that making hiring all in one place is so easy because candidates you invite to apply through Instant Match are three times more likely to apply to your job than candidates who only see it in search, according to US Indeed data. With Instant Match, as soon as you sponsor a post, you get a short list of quality candidates whose resumes on Indeed match your job description, and you can invite them to apply right away. Indeed does the hard work for you. When you pay to post a job, Instant Match shows you candidates whose resumes on Indeed fit your description immediately after you post so you can hire faster. Start hiring now with a $75 sponsored job credit to upgrade your job post at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Offer good for a limited time. Claim your $75 credit now at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Pay per qualified applicant not available for all users. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Joe House, I just said that I've 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 heard your voice hundreds of times, and I don't know what you look like, and I still am still not hard quite to know. sure. Still hard to know exactly what, what you glasses. look like. Yeah. yeah. What do you think? No, uh, handsome wise, like a ten okay. out of ten. Ten out of ten. But yeah. you're but also a little, um, you know, you're uh, you're not showing us a lot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah Did yeah. you want? What do you want? I mean, I can stand up. I can shake my tail. <laughs> no, feathers. here's what I want to know, Joe, because your last name's House. It's perfect. I happen to know you're tall because I've seen you in pictures with Bill, who the first time Bill Simmons ran up on me, I was like, damn, Bill Simmons is tall. And you're even taller than Bill, yeah? It's true. I'm like an inch and a half, maybe two inches taller, depending on my platform. So you guys have a few things in common yeah. with uh, each other. Not only are we the guy beside the guy, we're also taller than well, the I guy. Well, I want to be complimentary to Joe House. Yeah. Hey, <laughs> well, yeah. Bill's the pod father. It's yeah, not, not exactly. complimentary. But so far, I like Joe House's energy a lot. <laughs> yeah, I do too. <laughs> so you're an inch and a half taller than Bill Simmons. So yes. what is that? Six, five? No, 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 no. He's like a solid six, one-ish kind of fella. I'm I'm closer to six three. It's like a rule that if you see somebody who's taller than you thought they were on TV or somewhere else, they automatically get like an extra inch. So I gave Bill like six three. So you're six three. <laughs> Joe House is six three. Can I get a weight? Oh uh, well, look, I've been uh, the 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 COVID obviously very serious for the entire world, but silver lining for for Joe House, I discovered that I don't like to drink at home. Me too. Nice. Oh, yeah, yes. dude, me too. Welcome aboard. Me, so me too. I'm like down twelve to fifteen, and it stayed off kind of by accident. I'm not sure how because I'm drinking again. You're so right because uh, yeah, the, the, you're right. Like the. Um, I'm in the worst shape I've been in since uh, since they discovered COVID. Like, just because the world opened back up and it's nice outside and I have to be drinking beers and that sort of thing. I'm with you. When the, the whole thing started, everybody was tweeting about being drunk at home and I was like, I'm just high. 
Like, I, <laughs> that's, that's right. I can't, and then the weight just fall, yeah, fell off. I can't do a hangover at home. Like, what is the point of getting drunk at home? Exactly. Unless that's, you, unless all your friends went home, you were day drinking and nobody went out that night. Then you got to kick it in overdrive uh, at, at the house. But otherwise, I'm with you, Joe. All right. So Joe House eating exploits. They say you're like a fucking tank and, and you, you got to steal sh- a steel trap for a stomach. So like if I was to meet you on the street and I was like, Joe house impress me with one eating feet. What is it? Oh, one eating feet. Well, I'd have, everything's in the rear view mirror because now that I've, uh, you know, attained official middle age, you know, I have to pick my spots. It's not like the old days where, you know, I could go six out of seven. Um, I did sit down with the cousin Sal in new Orleans for that Super Bowl down there, it was San Francisco and Baltimore. The the night the lights, the lights went, went out, out yeah. and and cousin Sal and I that Friday we went to the Acme Oyster House, and oh. that year Washington and Dallas, you know, it's the one of the usual. Were you on the Eagles then? No, this was this had to be what what year was this? Fourteen. I was with the Rams still. Uh, okay, but this was the, the yeah this was the end of, so of that I, illustrious era. A standard plastic knife fight between Washington and, and the Eagles uh-huh, in that uh-huh. crappy era. Uh-huh. And the cause just wanted to, to, you know, put it, put it out there. He challenged me to an eating contest on behalf of his uh, Dallas Cowboys and me on, on behalf of the Washington football team. We were the Redskins back then. And we sat down and ate and ate and ate and ate. We ate so much food that the cousin Sal went to the bathroom and threw up all over the entire bathroom. <laughs> this is on camera. This has been filled. This is documented. It is in the great archives for Grantland and came back out and acted like we needed to keep eating, like the competition <laughs> should still keep going. Yeah, you once you once like, you bro. once you eject, the competition is over. That that was my view. It's like a PED. Was, Ejection is a PED. Right. Is yeah. It, there's there's a, and, and in the world of competitive eating or it's drinking an immediate, or drinking. <laughs> right, an immediate disqualification. Yeah, the, if, the, if the I, case goes into the toilet, you have no longer drank a case. And 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 poor Sal didn't make it to the toilet. Um, and we had <laughs> That's we, a nice restaurant too. We tipped out those people very handsomely. Oh, I yeah. will say because they had cousin, cousin Sal in the in the cracks and crevices of of, of that beautiful. <laughs> still problem. in the grout. It's still in the grout, yeah. dude. There's a lot of grout in New Orleans. Mm-hmm. All the, like, well, I the, will. Get into the Google machine and try and find that video. I think there are copies of it in the archives because it it ends once again with another round of regurgitation, um, and it was not in the bathroom. Wow, jeez! I'll dude. just leave it there. But God, you dog. asked for an eating exploit. Yeah. Yeah, I yeah. kicked the cousin Sal's ass. That's good. That's a good thing to have. That's a good thing to have on the uh, on the resume. Okay. Well, I got another food question for you as a DC area guy. If I say Crystal City Restaurant, what say you? Oh no! <laughs> uh, look, I mean, what, what's the rating on this podcast? Are we allowed to be explicit? Oh, this is X. I think Fuck, they put an X. Yeah, good. Yeah. Okay, what I say to you is roast beef. <laughs> <laughs> we'll just leave it at that. We'll just leave it right oh, there. Oh man, what do they we'll put just... on the roast beef for the gravy? Yeah, right. Well, so the whole reason I ask is because I heard I have some friends that used to live in D.C. And these are big meatball guys. And so they got to get their omega-3 fatty acids. So naturally, when there's sushi, 
at the Crystal City restaurant, they go oh. and enjoy it, and they say it's oh ve- they said it's very good. And I said on this show that I will not eat sushi at a strip club. I will eat sushi a lot of places. Airport, fine. Gas station, maybe. Yes, uh, you know, like the, right. I'm not a steel trap here. But but a strip club, I think it goes a little too far. And then we had one of the uh, the illustrious employees from uh, the Crystal City restaurant contact us on social and invite us up there to enjoy some sushi. So I might have to. I might have to. If try. you do that, I'll come join you. Will you join I, me? I've never had the sushi there, and I feel like that the rule that you're applying is the right rule. It's like way too on the nose. Yeah. Like just way. But. Yeah. I mean, if we're good, a lot of folks are saying. A lot of I folks mean, are saying, know, yeah. I want to, I want to, I want to take a closer look. That would be the response. It's a post-COVID thing. world. Like, why not go explore? <laughs> yeah, what you never hell? know, dude. That's right. I'm so with you, Joe House, man. I'll see you at the Crystal City Restaurant. Okay, <laughs> vibe in it. So, so Joe House, he has a podcast called Fairway Rolling, which is about golf and maybe drugs. Are you a drug guy, Joe House? I, I, uh, not publicly a drug guy. <laughs> now he is. <laughs> Privately. Known to you know, yeah. known to dabble, dabble. to known dabble. To dabble. Okay, known so dabble. so fairway rolling. It's uh, golf podcast primarily gambling golf. Yes, gambling golf right down the the middle. My co-host is Nathan Hubbard. His brother Mark Hubbard is on tour, so we get a lot of a uh, little skinny. You know, mm-hmm. which way the winds are blowing on various things. We're not always out there trying to break news, but we do get a good sense for. Um, what guys are up to, who's cheating, who's cheating on whose wife, yeah. all of those, the, the, the inside scoop. <laughs> who's cheating on whose wife? <laughs> so, I mean, I, you know there's what? There's like, layer to that. Yeah, yeah exactly. Uh-huh. Yeah, but with who? Yeah. That's what I want to know. Right. Uh, all right. So the first thing we got to talk about then is this, uh, this PGA championship here coming up. I'm not a golf guy, admittedly. I want to give you that like right off the top. I love riding along. Like if my brother plays or my friends play, I'll sit in the cart. I'll drive the cart. Fuck. But watching it, I'll do it like I'm a fair weather guy. Okay. So I will be watching this week. How the hell do we bet this thing? Um, it's hard because this is now we're in this this era where any given major, there are 10 young guys that can win. Right. I don't I think we're kind of past the point where old guys can win. Now I'm in, I'm putting Rory McIlroy in that category of still young guys cuz he's still only 31 years old. Um but it, the competition right now is is just too insane. So like for the Masters, we built up a card of somewhat exotic plays and I think I'm going to repeat some of that. So the single best moneymaker for us with the masters was parlaying Bryson DeChambeau to miss the cut and Tiger Woods to make the cut. Oh, wow. And we knew that Bryson was hurt and Bryce, because he said so. And he said, I'm going against doctor's orders here by playing in this tournament. And he went out and he shot 80 on Friday and he missed the cut. How do we think Bryson gets hurt? Do you think it has anything to do with the the weightlifting? (laughs) Is that a serious question or are you making a joke? I mean, I'm always making a joke, I guess. Yeah, okay, good. Is it? It's the weightlifting, right? That's He's fucking up his body doing CrossFit? He he put on 40 pounds through this insane, like, protein consumption kind of thing. He went through a very, like, he's um, he's got a science mind. You know, by all reports and indications, he was a physics major at SMU and he's trying to gain an advantage by this, you know, sort of innovative approach. And it worked for him in 2020. He won the U.S. Open up at at Wingfoot 
and he had put on a bunch of weight and he had a swing speed that nobody had ever seen before and he could hit the ball out of the rough. So he just drove it all over God's green earth and it didn't matter because he was so close that he hit wedge and he's strong enough to hit wedge out of any kind of lie. Yeah. And he, he got an advantage that way, but it just wasn't sustainable. He kept, kept up with that um, eating regimen and also the weightlifting and trying to swing harder than any human. I mean, he, he, he competed last year in a world long drive championship. Like those athletes trained that. for that. The right? same and, week of something, some tournament that people were he, up in arms he, about that. He, well, he had both. finished. Yeah. He had finished the Ryder cup, Ryder um, cup. and then yeah. had done that, but he, um, he finished 16th in that thing. Like those are different athletes are trying All to together. do an entirely yeah. different thing. And he, he was able to compete with them. And he, you know, for what he wants to do on, on tour, it just wasn't, sustainable so he got hurt he this most recent um you know after that world drive thing he played in like four tournaments and he missed a cut in all of them except for the one that didn't have a cut so we were like oh okay so then he went and got wrist surgery after the masters because his wrist is effed up the what's the h-a-m-a-t-e bone how do you say that uh i don't know macon harambe harambe bone the, the medical bone. community, we call it the hammer. Yeah, yeah. he fucked his the lever. Hammer. It's one of the levers. Yes, exactly right. Mm-hmm. Guess what? Important for golf. Yeah. So he's there right now um, testing the wrist post-surgery to see if he can compete in this championship. And if he goes out on the first tee on Thursday and there are odds for him to miss the cut, we are plowing in on, on <laughs> Bryson to miss the cut. And it's not because we wish ill on him. He's just not physically fit to play in in a major golf tournament. Yeah, you have the information available. Joe, what's the most enjoyable way to bet golf? Because, you know, we've got football covered. We've got spreads and totals. I'm currently addicted to... I don't know that I'm enjoying it, but I kind of (laughs) am. I'm currently addicted to first quarters in the NBA because then you can chase, you know. Wonderful, yes, you sure can. For golf, is it it to win? Is it top 10? Is it make and miss your exotic plays? How uh, How should amateur golf gamblers get into it? To me, by far, the right way to do it is to come in on head-to-heads. You can do by-round head-to-heads and by-tournament head-to-heads. That shrinks the whole competition down to just, can this guy beat this guy? And the prices tend to be mostly fair. A lot of times, they'll inflate if it's a very well-known guy against a a lesser-known guy. But um, these days, there is great information on, on golf, like the advanced metrics for golf um, have quietly really blossomed. And there's tons of free shit on the Internet yeah. where you can go and get trends. And if you, you know, if you develop a perspective on, I think this golf course is going to play this particular way because this is what people are saying about it. And you find out, oh, this one guy seems to be on a little bit of a heater on the greens that feature this kind of grass and the guy that he's up against, you know, for whatever reason you want to fade. It's just so much easier to shrink the vast amount of information. You could play outright winners because it's fun, but you just play an outright winner and then you say goodbye to that money right. because there's no chance that you're going to pick. You have to like do 15 or 20 Ten of them. guys. Yeah. yeah. And then, you know, it, it, it cuts into the return, but the head to heads I think is the easiest way to jump in. Yeah. I hate picking Super Bowl winners. And then at the end of the season, seeing like small chunks of money, you know, <laughs> taken off the, I'm like, where the fuck did that come from? Right. Oh yeah. You were an idiot and played the, you know, the one in 32 chance thing. All right. So, Southern Hills, Oklahoma, 
Uh, it's been there before. The PGA Championship has been there before. I know, like, the majors, they, they rotate around everywhere but Augusta. So, like, is there a place that you believe uh, deserves a major that hasn't gotten one, like a beautiful course with a great setting, something underrated? Oh, man, that's an awesome uh, question. There's a course in Northern California called Pasatiempo. Um, that's not that far away from um, San Francisco, maybe like 45 minutes, 50 minutes. And the um, the architect of that is from this so-called golden age of gar- golf architecture. His name is Alistair McKenzie. And he, he touched Cypress Point and he touched Augusta. So he is revered as one of the all, all-time great legendary guys. Pasatiempo is um, public. That's gorgeous. So you can like just be a person and go play it. Um, they've never like built up the infrastructure around it where you could have like 40,000 people show up. Um, but there have been efforts to like renovate it like, because the golf community understands how important it is to protect like the heritage of a place where, you know, the hands of God have touched it. Mm-hmm. Um, so that might be a, a, a cool venue. Plus I love that Northern California thing. I'm always thinking about um, my own uh, uh, television viewing enjoyment. Yeah, so exactly. I want, I want yeah. golf on the West Coast yeah. because that's prime time for us. Prime time gambling, Chris yeah. Long. No, I hear that. I hear that. Oh, that's a good question. Do you do you like? Uh, we did this whole thing like the best time to best time zone to be a sports fan. Central, Central. You said ten out of oh. ten. Yeah, never you, lived in it. Always you, been on the East Coast. What do you? Interesting. Think? Give me one. Give me that extra hour. Yeah, I do like that extra hour. It's a great point. You know, I have all these guests lined up for um, the golf shows that we're doing this week, and it's all central time. I'm like, yeah. fuck, I wish it was that time for me because yeah. that extra hour is it's it's a very helpful hour. Uh, and especially when we're talking about some of these NBA games now, we got lucky. <laughs> or Sunday they, morning, getting ready for a football game, and you're hungover. Oh, and get, shit. Get your, figuring things out that's why you gotta bet at 2 a.m when you're getting ready to come home from the bar those are, <laughs> those the, best are the best bets, bets. yeah <laughs> look at that we're, i'm getting ahead i'm ahead i'm ahead <laughs> i'm betting the 4 p.m's at 3 a.m <laughs> sorry go ahead no it's another goodbye money but yeah. uh no I, I mean i i love central time it'll line up nice for this we'll be able to watch you know into the evening here on the east coast a little bit and staying light out later this field has 156 players and it's going to take them a long ass time to get around the golf course so it'll be nice thursday night friday night mm-hmm. watching espn sitting back svp will be doing this thing it'll be yeah, nice we'll have yeah. a cocktail well i'm i'm the the major story is phil mickelson a guy even i know a little bit about but like um He's got an unauthorized biography coming out this week, so that should be spicy. Uh, I hear stories about him, $40 million gambling, the whole thing. I'm like, seems like my kind of guy for the most part. Uh, what's going on? Like, Tell me if I'm uh, just kind of a casual golf fan, what I need to know about Phil Mickelson and why is he so interesting even now? Because I know there's a he hasn't golfed since February 6th. People are wondering if it's like a suspension under the table or if it has anything to do with the Saudi league. Like... Give me Phil Mickelson, uh, you know, like the elevator pitch for why he's so interesting. Well, because he's been in our lives for 30 some years now, and he's been an incandescent talent for all of those 30 years. He won uh, a golf tournament, a PGA Tour event as an amateur. And then last year, he won a major at the oldest age in the history of professional golf. Yeah. Nobody's ever won a major uh, championship before at the age of 50 and Phil effing Mickelson did it. 
And he was Robin to Tiger's Batman for all of the Tiger era. And when Tiger went down with his personal troubles, there was this like immediate sort of reaction. And it's not going to be that big of a surprise from like the golf community, a.k.a. the white community, that Phil is always smiling and thumbs upping and, you know, walking around and winking and patting the babies on the head and surly Tiger with his troubles, you know, and then when Tiger came back, he was, you know, still a little bit unfriendly. So like just charisma wise for a little while, um, Phil star ascended during that, yeah. during that, that era that the tiger was out and Phil's always been like enormously charismatic. Like yeah. it seems like anything that he tries, he's immediately good at. He went on a broadcast maybe like 18 months ago, a PGA tour broadcast. And he sat down with um, Jim Nance and uh, Faldo Mm -hmm. and immediately was like, took it over. He was doing like Romo shit in the broadcast, in the golf broadcast, but everybody lost their minds. Like, Oh my God, put him in the booth. Give give him 37. That's it. Sign him up. And you know, the same thing. He like dabbled in social media a little bit and then he kind of jumped in and all of a sudden he's like the, the one of the funniest golf social media people, which means not that funny, but still very yeah. funny, yeah. you know, golf yeah. social media, dude. So it's like, what, what, what can't he do? Well, he, um, he had me at like, he, he's a degenerate gambler. Yeah. Well, and those stories are legendary. On occasion, he's got boobs, which is relatable. Well, yeah. To many. Yeah. yeah. No question. <laughs> no question. He, he all of that he also relatable. has calves. That's relatable. I got calves. Look at those Phil's giant got calves. calves. That's it. Yeah, that's and, all and I got a, anymore. You know, he had a giant appetite. Like some of his his um, food and wine stories, also yeah. legendary. Very good at you know giving the 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 needle. So like those stories are are good and funny for the most part. And one of the things for sure with him, he's liked amongst his peers. Right, you don't have a ton of those guys over the years coming out and saying fuck Phil Mickelson. Right. They've been like, they go along with it. They understand like where he's coming from. And he's been um, an important part of our success when we've had success in the Ryder cups. Like he has been thought of as a leader and he was supposed to be the captain of the team at Beth page up in 2025. And that ain't happening now. Um, what do you think he's not going to like in his book? I think it's all out. I think everything that, you know, the, the, the two big hammers that came out were calling the people that he intends to take a hundred million dollars from right. scary motherfuckers. <laughs> I think that was bad. Yeah. And, um, the gambling debts, which have quietly been sort of considered part of, of his picture for a long time. And it was inside the golf community. I don't think I'm telling any tales out of school, widely believed that the reason that Jim McKay bones, his caddy fired Phil because that's what happened right. is because Phil owed bones money. And it mm. was not a small amount of money. Phil owed bones, like, bones. He owed him bones. And then he, it's and then be a problem. You just you take it too long. Yeah, dude. Don't want to have to deal with bones. It, does this absence have anything to do with, in your opinion, like an under the table suspension or ha- have to do with the, the Saudi thing? Because the Saudi thing, like I'm just learning about this. I had no idea that there was a kind of a government arm league over there. And I'm like, you know, I really want to like Phil, but, and I want to like the shark, but the sharks over there taking money from people who have abhorrent human rights, uh, yes. you know, track Record. records. How yeah. is this any different than, in my opinion, I saw the parallel between, hey, NBA players going to get that China money 
and Phil Mickelson going and get that Saudi money? Like, how do you feel about it? How are we supposed to feel about it? Yeah, and I, I think the Saudi thing is a couple of degrees worse because we have, I, I think, I believe in what our intelligence has produced in terms of the direct involvement of that regime in the killing of a U.S. citizen, mm-hmm. Jamal Khashoggi, yep. the, the journalist from the Washington Post. And, you know, maybe it's by way of living here in Washington, D.C. and watching that story unfold and the stories, the way the Post covered it, but it, it, it made me sick to my stomach. And every time as this Saudi league has, has sort of, you know, come into existence and the stories um, percolate and you hear the players say various things, I come back to the same question. If you were sitting in a room with the widow of Jamal Khashoggi, what would you say to her? Right. They, they, they do all this stuff about it. We're growing the game. The Saudi regime is trying to, to make some progress, you know, and then there's a story six weeks ago that they beheaded 81 citizens, you know, for all yeah, obvious, it's re- it's for rid- sure, it's a whole ridiculous. variety of crimes, undoubtedly, it's but ridiculous. the thing that is a challenge, if you're trying to be generous with, you know, the, the, the tour guys is, is the following. They have no television deal. And they have no marketing deals, mm-hmm. right? So what's going on? What is the point of this league? Right. Like every, you, it doesn't fit any of what we have come to expect in terms of upstart new sporting enterprise. $25 million purse uh, in a tournament in London. Like that sounds like probably it has a lot to it. They said that Jack Nicholas said he was supposed to get a hundred mil from the Saudis for the same thing that Greg Norman's doing now. So I think I know why Greg doing Greg Norman's. I mean, these guys are richer than, you know, God anyways, but I mean, everybody has a price and I'm just like, dude, I, I don't know about this. I don't know how viable this is anyways, long-term. Well, it, it's viable as long as the Saudi government funds it because, you know, they're sitting on, on the world's richest reserve of oil. But the whole point, the reason there's no TV deal or marketing deals is because it's a single-minded enterprise. Right. The point of the enterprise <laughs> is to bring Saudi Arabia onto the world stage and and have it join its sort of Western counterparts as an acceptable, you know, sort of business partner. <laughs> yeah, sport, sports washing is the word. The, the, that's the, it. The term. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. So I. Yeah. So uh, enough of that depressing stuff. Well, I, yeah. I, well, I don't want to say enough of the well, depressing we stuff. We're talking talk. about Washington yeah. sports real quick. No, do we have to? Yeah, I'd love to. <laughs> <laughs> well, okay. So Reed, you had a question, right? What do you think the Commanders' win total? is going to be this season. Did you see the uh, the win totals come out? Are you going to take the under or the over on what was it? Seven I've and seen a half. seven and a half floated. I'm the worst. I love the over. I, I, do, I do too. I love them. Like, I don't think it's a stretch for them to get to eight and nine. Right. And I think that's modest. I don't, yeah. I don't, you know, and, and I honestly, this is why I'm, I'm ready to confess and concede how preposterous my perspective is when it comes to my hometown team. I actually think that Carson Wentz is going to be fine. I, I think he's going to be fine. <laughs> I think it's going to be fine. You know, I just keep telling myself this every year. Every I do it less loudly each time, but like the first time I was like, he's going to turn it around in Philly because 2020, I was like, oh, he, he was playing with nobody. Like he was kind of he, he was kind of playing hero ball. Look at him throwing balls yeah. across his body to like guys I've never heard of in New York winning like a. Uh, 
uh, you know, barn burner down there late in the season. He had a great little run. Then he was awful. And then and that that year I was like, well, nobody could be good that year. And then last year they ran him out of Indy. I just don't know, Joe, man. Like I keep thinking he's the guy I knew, but Frank Reich didn't think he's the guy I knew. And Frank is like his his long lost dad. So I, I know. But look, here the problem with Indy was they had Super Bowl ambitions and aspirations. Yeah. That's not us. We don't have we just want to be successful in the <laughs> NFC East. It would be wonderful to beat Dallas once this season. Yeah. It'll be terrific if we beat um the Eagles once this season. Better beat the Giants both times, although Dayball's so good. Maybe Gi- he'll Giants help. fan here. I yeah. mean look, Well, he's not even gonna argue with well, you. Well, we're also yeah. headed for eight and nine. So two, well, two eight and nine clubs. <laughs> That'd be fine. Yeah. Dayball might be a Danny Dimes whisperer. That's that's the big open question um do with, with the Giants. Just don't do it. That's all you gotta do is just tell Danny just don't do it. And hold on to the fucking football. But like I, I really do I, I think I think the pieces are there. I hate saying that. The pieces are there for you guys to win nine games. Nine doesn't feel insane to me. The pieces are there. Eight feels reasonable. Nine's not insane. You just need health on the defensive side because that's really where the bottom fell out last year. By the way, dude, 25th anniversary DC Sports. I just saw this 25th anniversary of the the Bullets turning into the Wizards today. (laughs) Uh, Oh, hip, 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 fucking (laughs) In that vein. I know the whole thing. Where are you on Commanders, Joe House? Oh, it, it's an F minus minus minus. It's, it's, it's a disgrace. They should have just kept it at, at WFT. WFT that, that would have been fine. It Beca- already because it was unique. Is it an anagram for what the fuck? Or was yes, it? Is that a, there you go. Yeah, anagram for what vein. the fuck, which is perfect because it's on what the tip of your the? tongue. What the fuck is going on? <laughs> yeah. um, all right. So so here, this begs the question, is there any sports city that's in worse shape right now than D.C.? Nationals below 500. Wizards bad. Caps uh, out. I, I can't look. We we the the Washington has a Stanley Cup and a World Series in the last five years. So yeah, you guys and, got yeah and a WNBA title. Yep, Let's there not we go. sleep on the Mystics. Mystics are three and one right now. That's good. District of Champions. Seven fifty winning percentage there, guys. I just did the math. But yeah. uh, how about this? This is a. Can I throw Minnesota sports into the hat here? Um, this is from Matthew Taylor, a guy on Twitter. Minnesota sports teams postseason records since October fifth, two thousand four. Twins zero and eighteen, Vikings four and seven, Wolves three and eight, and the Wild twenty four and forty eight. The yeah. Wild have played almost an entire season in the postseason. Yeah. The Blues just beat them. That's bad, dude. But they're good. No, there. Well, well, we're okay. Yeah. Hey, <laughs> I want to. I want to commend you. Uh, I want to tell you what a good friend you are because I know Rosillo talked about it on the pod overnight last night that you were texting him during that game. I, was. <laughs> I didn't have the balls to do it. Oh, I, no. Like, okay. So I had to leave him alone. So I'm in a group text. Me, Big Cat, and Rosillo. It gets real quiet when Chris Paul is playing. <laughs> but the last night during the second half, there were like no fucking texts. They were down like 34. Devin Booker has a wide open corner three, misses it. And I just text like out of the blue. I go, Booker has to hit that. And Dan was like petrified. And then like 17 minutes later, he was like, absolutely does. <laughs> <laughs> so, so I feel bad for Ryan, uh, but you know, like uh, he'll get over it. Um, 
yeah dude joe house this has been yeah. awesome man we got some golf we, we 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 had some dc sports i mean this is good it's gonna be a fun week i'm gonna bet food. That, yeah we're gonna little food. get together at the crystal city restaurant yes. for sushi please dude i mean this i'm in it i'm not fucking you, around you just here, say joe. When. it's a short trip for you and it's even shorter for me let's make it happen we're dmb people and well, because you're there i might get making to go up with yeah, you. yeah yeah for sure Come i'm on, a make dog i'm a former dc resident 2701 oh. connecticut avenue woodley park shouts are out <laughs> shouts shouts hey, Woodley park and we can do a home and home here we got a pete die golf course we've got a davis love golf oh, course Charlottesville, virginia come on down a lot of I fucking love, golf. i love birdwood down a lot of there food. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah all right yeah, i know the birdwood hey dude Fellas. joe house this has been a pleasure check him out on fairway rolling uh and we're gonna enjoy some golf this week yeah boys enjoy it good luck with your bets thanks man thanks joe Pretty easy talking football in the green light pod. I feel pretty good about that. Knowledge level, 9 out of 10 at least. Some days, 10 out of 10. Compare it, or contrast it rather, with my ability to code a website, to design a website, to execute a website, to put it out into the world wide web, like a 0 out of 10. And we need a website at the green light pod. Can't just do football segments. So that's where somebody like Fiverr comes in. You know, we found the people that executed all those tasks on Fiverr, real life. That's what happened. And this was my first time batting a thousand and we love it. The website's awesome. It's live and it's powered by Fiverr. Uh, Here are the, the great things about Fiverr. You can find what you're looking for instantly. It's easy. Customize your search by service, deadline, price, seller reviews, and more. No more guessing games. You know what you're paying for up front, and that's what I like. No negotiation needed. Pricing is always project-based, not hourly. I like that too, 24-7 customer service. Reach out with questions anytime, anywhere. You can find a freelancer with specific skills you need for your next project. Check out Fiverr.com and receive 10% off your first order by using my code GREENLIGHT. Find all the digital services you need in one place at Fiverr.com. F-I-V-E-R-R.com. Code Greenlight. Again, it's Fiverr.com. Code Greenlight. Make one last question. How many hits you given up in an MLB inning? How many hits would I give up before recording three outs? Yeah. Um, well... I'll say 25. They're not pulling me. There's no way. I'm, get, I'm getting the three outs. No, I think I would get the three outs as well. But if even if you're just lobbing them in there, they're going to hit it to a fielder at some point. I think you'd have more walks than hits, honestly. Well, I don't think these cats are going to be taken much. What do you think you can throw off the mound? What speed? Oh, 62. Damn, that's really gnarly, dude. <laughs> 62 I, it's been a while since i've been out of like a theme park. for sure i don't know i, okay. I do we have should this, go down to a the diamond and see i do have a you know this torn torn labrum on situation. the throwing hand yeah throwing shoulder right arm yeah really yeah so you can't throw the ball uh i think if i came at it uh little little lower than three quarters Reed, I'd be all do right. you think you could strike us out not a chance i can't throw a baseball is it and I don't think you can touch sixty. Okay, my bad, you, guys. I didn't. I don't know. What do you think? Fifty? Is that closer? I don't yeah. know. We'll you find out. Yeah, well, yeah, yeah. You got a medical exemption, but I would have. I would have loved to see. Well, 
All right. Like what's what's fast for a normal? For a normal, probably fifty five. Oh. Well then yeah, I'm not hitting sixty. I don't know though. It's been a while. My shoulder would fall off. But when Wakefield's throwing those knucklers, those are what, like fifty two, fifty five? No, yeah, those they're are knuckling. Like 70, those are a fair amount faster. Than they're that. knuckling yeah. too, dude. They're knuckling. Yeah, I know, and I'm not doing that. But they're they look mighty yeah. slow. Yeah, well. like I feel like I could get it there faster. That's how I'm picturing things. Tune in Friday. Y'all take care. <laughs>